What will you do to unlock innovation? In today's fast-paced world, innovation might not be enough. Tomorrow's pioneers of change will need to be agile, able to adapt, and committed like never before. Your host, Santa Vending, invites you to listen in and join business leaders from around the world as they share their visions for success in our future business challenges. Welcome to Mind the Innovation. I'm your host, Santa Vending. I'm always excited to learn. And in today's podcast, we'll talk about Amazon, success and risk around e-commerce, and the importance for business to be innovative. I want to welcome Dr. Robin Gaster. He's the president of Ecometrics, a data and program evaluation consultancy. He's also a visiting scholar at George University, George Washington University, and a recognized expert on innovation and small businesses. He received a PhD from UC Berkeley and a BA from Oxford University. He just published a book called Behemoth Amazon Rising, Power and Seduction in the Age of Amazon. So welcome, uh, Robin. Tell me more about your interest in and about innovation and, and what sparks your interest around it. Thank you. Well, it goes, it goes back quite a long way, um, uh, actually, to around 1991. Well, uh, you know, I, I, I've been interested in innovation before that, but that was the first time I got a job doing innovation. I got a job um, working for the uh, Office of Technology Assessment of the US Congress looking at the impact of the uh, common market as it was then emerging. Um, and since then, I've done a lot of work on different kinds of innovation. Um, I, was, I worked in particular for the National Academies for a very long time uh, a, as a contractor working on small business and, and innovation. How, how, do, how do small businesses grow into big businesses and what can government do to support that process? Um, so I did a lot of work on that, and that, in, um, and in part, that led me to the the um, looking at Amazon because, uh, you know, people. I have arguments with my technolo technologically oriented friends who tell me that Amazon really, you know, isn't that important. That it that you know, there's no single technology that it has produced that's uh, transformative, and uh, I just tell them they're wrong. Uh, I, yeah. I think I, I think Amazon is the most innovative big company uh, in on the planet, and and it's not an accident. Um, you know, you think about all the things that they developed, which many of which were not terribly demanding technically, but though some were. Some, for example, like the Kindle, were quite um, difficult because yeah. at the time it wasn't really so easy to have wireless connectivity. Um, but um, if you think of the major, or for example, cloud services, uh, which really stems from AWS, Amazon is not always the in inventor of everything, but it's the, it's the company that scales things quickly and brings them to market and makes them successful. Yeah. And it's, it's innovate, so its capacity to do that is really what sets it aside from so many other companies, right? Big companies tend to get sclerotic and they defend the businesses they have. And even though they say that they are going to be innovative and they're going to, you know, roll out disruptive, disruptive <laughs> technology everywhere, everything's going to be disrupted. Well, actually, they don't really want to disrupt anything. They would just yeah. as soon be happy uh, where they are. So 
Amazon is quite different. And that really sparked my interest. And I spent a lot of time thinking and trying to understand why Amazon is so successful as an innovator. I, I think there is a dark side to Amazon and I give that plenty of play in the book. Yeah. Um, but, but you have to understand the light side as well in order to fully grasp what's going on here. Yeah, but I'm sure they also, again, right, to be innovative, if you want to disrupt, you, you also have to test a lot of ideas to get there. So I'm sure Amazon have tested a lot and saying, oh, okay, that didn't work, that didn't grow in the same speed that we want, throwing it out to the side. And then they're saying, okay, this one is growing, let's focus on that one. And then that's how they're growing their services. Well, yes. And so you have to think to yourself, okay, how do you, um, how do you get to be so agile and so quick to try new things, right? Yeah. You think in a traditional organization, it's very hierarchical and it's very hard uh, to get to yes, to try, uh, uh, to try something significant that might cost actual money. So you, you have to get approvals all the way up the line Mm -hmm. And then you have to get budget, right? You have to get more yeah. money. And this yeah. takes time. And there's usually only one pathway up. And Amazon is not really like that. Amazon has figured out a lot of the secret source of how to be a cluster of, a, a massive cluster of highly innovative and driven teams. Now, this all sounds great, right? It sounds like, well, we should do that, but it's not that easy. No. Even, even communicating between teams is difficult, right? Oh, yeah. So yeah. Amazon, <laughs> Amazon has thousands of teams. Yeah. And so communication has to be managed in ways that make sense and have to be. Um, so about 20 years ago, Jeff Bezos is, issued a famous me memo which said, no more one-to-one -one communication about information. Instead, what we're gonna do is we're gonna publish electronically all of our assets, every team. Every team is gonna publish and yeah. every other team is gonna get access to that information through APIs, uh, application programming interfaces. So imagine this, this is a, a radical change it, it, it sweeps away the need for emails and permissions and asking what you got and then getting access to it. Instead, it simply says, here's the directory, go find what you need, take it. That, that's a completely different model different for how to yeah. connect inside a business. Um, and, it, and it came in around 2001, 2002, long before Amazon was really big enough to need this. Yeah. So you you know they have some, had they have made some very visionary decisions very early that paid big dividends. Um, of course, they've made mistakes, and they yeah. don't always they don't always admit them. Uh, you know, we were talking before about Walmart and Target. Yeah, I think Amazon is making an enormous mistake getting into groceries. Yeah, I think I think this is not a business they will ever be successful in. Yeah, that's a, but that's but a, are they jumping in there? Because again, if they look at their existing customers, and if you expand with your existing customer, because again, it's cheaper than they have a lot of customers, so yeah, users. But if you if you expand and can have your customer to spend even more money uh, well, instead of going the, out and get question, new customers, yeah, it's it's yeah. not hard. 
it's not hard for Amazon to grow revenues in yeah. groceries. It's really hard to make a profit. Yeah. Groceries is a very low margin business, one to 2%, right? It's, and it has very big, very well-established competitors. And yeah. it's extremely expensive to get into because you have to build stores or yeah. buy stores. So, I, and, and further, I don't see any great room for digital disruption either. It's not, I mean, you know, grocery delivery is great, but is Amazon going to have anything that the others won't have? I, I you know, I'm, I've looked at their Go technology and their, you know, their contactless um, purchases. And, you know, if it works, the others will have that too. If, uh, I don't think it'll be. And then they're just, yeah. So it's not so where they will stand they're out. They're bigger, they're more established. So you have to distinguish between revenue and, and income. Yeah. Amazon already loses a lot of money on retail, on its own yeah. retail business. That's an expensive business. And they're not all that good at it. There, another <laughs> thing I said. Um, so so um, I think this could be a big, you know, this they're fond of touting small failures and saying, you know, we accept small failures and, and you know, uh, we're used to, uh, we, we need small failures in order to have big wins. Yeah. Totally, totally true. We'll see yeah. how they talk about groceries in 10 years time. In 10 years. We'll, we'll talk again in 10 years. No, yeah. what, what about, um, so if they have something, right? Because again, with the pandemic and maybe this was before the pandemic when if you had a delivery to your house and somebody stole the package, right? Now you you can track it the whole way. Yeah. So how fast are Amazon um, to go in and saying, okay, this is not working uh, and customers are not happy. We, are, you know, we also have to either ship it again. Um, so they go in and find a solution to say, now the customer can track it almost to the last second, right? You also get a yeah. text saying, it was just delivered. Right. So I, I think it's a mistake to think about Amazon responding to unhappiness amongst customers. Yeah. I think it's much more that Amazon has these teams and they have built a, a, an ecosystem and a culture that is constantly proactively seeking to improve outcomes for customers. Okay. So it, it's built deep, deep, deep into the culture. Their mission is to be the most customer-centric company on earth. That's what they yeah. say their mission is. So they're ahead of the game by already before the customer sees right. the problem. Yeah. And that's all they, all they want. And yeah. if you imagine, it's like sort of a hive full of bees, right? These bees are constantly making things and improving things and creating more honeycomb. Amazon, as Benedict Evans says, is a, is a machine for making more Amazon. And they're really, yeah. really good at it. And the way they do it is by satisfying customers. So it's not that I'm here sort of thinking, gee, I, I'd like to be able to track my package a bit better. That's not it. They okay. have people working on package tracking long before I think of it. You know, yeah. I don't think I don't think many of Amazon's main innovations came because they kind of surveyed their customers and noticed that they were unhappy about things. I think they got out in front, as you say. Yeah. So, and it's a fascinating thing to have a culture that does this so relentlessly. It's not yeah. like they have a big innovation. You know, if you think about the other big tech companies, right? 
Mm-hmm. Google found itself, you know, squatting on the gusher of information, of the of the information that that was released by the internet, and they found that their algorithm was the gatekeeper. Fantastic. Yeah. But aside from Gmail, what have we seen? Not much. Not much. And innovations in Gmail and in Google itself, I, I'm you know pushed to really focus on too many of them. Facebook is sort of similar. Facebook found itself in this rather fortuitous position as the winning social network. And mm-hmm. partly it was great and partly it bought its way there. But I'm not I'm not noticing, you know, this constant drive for for change and improvement and expansion. Yeah. Expansion yeah, you can see as Amazon has expanding in so many ways, right? Where Facebook yeah. is more in a bubble of, of where they are, but they're not That's getting right. out of it, out of that bubble. You know, Bezos is fond of saying, I mean, his famous, famous saying is your margin is my opportunity. Right. So any profitable business is potentially a target. I I see no places where Amazon needs to stop. Do you? Yeah. I I, am absolutely convinced that their next big area of innovation will be in healthcare. I think that I think the groceries things is is a side issue. Healthcare is where the opportunity really lies. I think they are absolutely gearing up for it. Yeah. What about so with Costco and Target and Walmart, they're, they're coming after. So if you look some of the statistic, you can see that they 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 expanded as well and, and not in the same speed as, as Amazon, because Amazon is like years, right. like years ahead of the game. But so how are they how are they competing? It's the same, is it the same strategy or is do they go in another direction? Well, they have they don't have the same strategy because they don't have the same assets. You know, they, they, they're missing a few things. They, they don't have um, the, the number of online members that Prime has. So Prime, so Amazon has the customer base. Yeah. They don't have the marketplace, which is the third parties working on Amazon's platform. You know, Amazon has 6 million sellers on its platform. And, and Walmart is struggling to get a few thousand. I mean, it's not a competition. You know, what Target put out a press release the other day saying they've reached 500 sellers on their platform. Amazon has 6 million. It, it, this is not a competition. Yeah, it's like, no. <laughs> right. And then, and then there's logistics, right? Amazon spent 20 years building a logistics network across the US that is mm-hmm. entirely tuned to package delivery for individuals. It was very expensive. And it took a huge sort of leap of faith in the early aughts to to do that. I mean, you know, you think about it, 20 years ago, Amazon was kind of a, you know, they were a bookstore, basically. They sold some toys and they sold a few electronics as well. They just gotten into that. And you would imagine that any management um, text would have said one thing to them, focus on your core competency, <laughs> yeah. do what you know best. And, it's in this do, book. <laughs> right. And do not, do not look, you know, and, and from that perspective, logistics is something you outsource. Yeah. 
right? Obviously, I mean, Amazon's not a logistics company. So, so outsourcing, and they didn't, they decided not to. And by not doing that, they created a huge wall around their business because nobody can compete with Amazon on, on local logistics. They just can't. Yeah. So, so everything that Amazon sends arrives faster and cheaper because of that. The shipping costs are lower. So, yeah. so it, Walmart doesn't have that. Walmart ships to its stores where you as a customer can go and pick it up. Yeah. But, you know, that, it's not the same thing. They, and then Amazon built in this incredible customer magnet called Prime. Yeah. It's like it's like super glue, right? Uh, you know, you remember Prime, and you get all this free entertainment, and you get, <laughs> yeah. you know, wardrobes, so you can try stuff on, and you get special deals, and you get free yeah. shipping and free returns. And that's Prime Day. And Prime Day, <laughs> you know, as Bezos said, Amazon's the only company that's figured out how to use Golden Globes to sell shoes, right? Yeah. And no one else in the retail business has any Golden Globes. So, so I don't think that the Costco's and Walmart's of this world are our competitor, and, no. unless Amazon continues to pursue um, bricks and mortar groceries, Amazon will be bigger than Walmart in probably a year. Yeah. Do you know? What about virtual reality? Is that where you will see them, or is that just a funny, not a funny, but is that just? Um, again a bus right now and it's a good, it's and, a good and, question i think for amazon it comes a long way behind alexa alexa is their emerging hub hey i i have one here we have siri as well hopefully she won't start <laughs> so, so, so now they listen no yeah so I think Alexa is really is much more important than people think. I mean, kind of at the yeah. moment, there's no real business there. You know, it's just a kind of cluster of capabilities. There's no real business, but there will be. And yeah, I think that's more important for Amazon than virtual reality. I don't see. I mean, you know, is virtual reality shopping going to be a thing? Maybe. But if it is, Amazon will buy some company and, you know, and then they'll be there. And the end will be there. So, so the so the Alexa is that more of of getting their customer base adjusted to the the automation coming into their house? Is that yes, the strategy behind yes. that? See, I think that's exactly right. So you think about it. What what Amazon really would really love is for Alexa to become the dominant information provider and information aggregator. So. It, what you do with Alexa is data for Amazon. Yeah. Right? And you think about all the different ways that Amazon is going about this. So, you know, there's obviously entertainment and news that you can get through Alexa. But now there's Ring, which is how you get security through Alexa. Yeah. And it's very clear that they're working into health and wellness via Alexa through their new Halo, um, which is kind of Fitbit for Amazon. Uh, and but one could imagine much more. I mean, imagine five years from now, and you have an injury of some kind. Like say you sprain your knee, you know, and it kind of swells up, and you're not comfortable with it. 
you're going to ask Alexa. You're going to say, Alexa, I sprained my knee. What should I do? And Alexa will say, can you move it this way? Can you move it that way? You know, can you put weight on it? Can you bandage it up and put some ice on it and take ibuprofen and talk to me again tomorrow morning and let me know how you're feeling? That all seems entirely likely, doesn't it? It does, yeah. And we're, already, the, we're already Googling, right? When we have we're symptoms. Googling, but, at, but, so, right. but, but the next but, step to ask and then get, yeah. Right, and, and you know, we Google, but then we have to sort of sort out what is the authoritative information. You know, where do we get that? And Amazon will do that for us. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's one step less to do, right? And then right. you get there faster. And, and, and being more faster. interactive. I think it I think interaction through voice when we get it right will be more natural. It'll be like talking to your doctor. Except yeah. you won't. And and what <laughs> it means is it, it will help. I'm, I'm writing a piece at the moment about how I think Amazon will eat healthcare from below. You know, there's a lot of uh, the Biden administration off on a lot of different targets. I think Amazon is interested in the mass end of, it, of healthcare, which is primary care. And they're, they're building pr a primary care solution right now using their 1.2 million employees as guinea pigs. Um, yeah. and, and also in the home. You know, the, the interface between you and the medical system is very, very poor. You know, you have to kind of find it, find an advice nurse or call somebody or, you know, get to a clinic so that they can do a test. A lot of steps, yeah. It's a lot of steps. You know, a lot of the yeah. diagnostic work is going to move into the home. There's yeah. absolutely no doubt. Up it's to happening. certainly including EKGs, sleep device, sleep testing devices, diabetes testing, anything for chronic care medication monitoring, all of this stuff is moving into the home. It's gonna move away from the existing locations in, in doctor's offices and, and in healthcare systems. It's gonna, yeah. and, and Amazon wants Alexa to be the pathway. I think they have a pretty good shot. That a good question, yeah. So what, how many, if, if somebody is searching and saying, I wanna buy new shoes, if it's shoes, um, I think it is it at forty eight percent, or is it even higher that you that if it was me, you will go on Amazon first to say, okay, what does yeah, it cost, and 50. then it, and if I like it or not, I'll buy it. If not, I'll start to go outside of the Amazon um, to see. Right. The, the yeah. most recent data is it's about fifty percent plus or minus that start their search for products on Amazon. Oh, so Amazon. that's why that's why all the sellers are there, and it prevent pre presents a really difficult um, problem for big brands, you know, because on the one hand, they want to be on Amazon and get access to those customers. On the other hand, they don't want to don't want to be Amazon, yeah. Amazon be the, the middleman, you know. Yeah, but they can't not afford not being there, right? Well, Nike has said no. Nike and Birkenstock and a few others have said yeah. no. We'll, We'll take the pain and we'll build our own um, channel to the customer, direct to the customer. I think it's really tough because, you know, you and I use Amazon and we use Amazon every day. Yeah. Right. How many times do you buy Nike? 
like yeah, once every, every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe once a year. Yeah. Right. So you don't touch yeah. Nike enough to develop any sort of significant habit. Yeah. And I and I think that's true for many many companies that think they can avoid Amazon. I think Amazon is probably unavoidable. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. What what um what else in medical? Do you, if if there's if you're looking ahead of the future of his ten or twenty years. Well, so medical, they're, they're, it's they're, huge, they're, but. <laughs> So, so there are a few things to think about about how Amazon, how lessons that Amazon has learned elsewhere will apply in healthcare. So, um, one thing that we we know that Amazon is building its own pharmacy online, mm -hmm. and its own medication distribution system through PillPack, which it bought. So, it it is going to be eating into the visits that you make to the pharmacy. Right. If you don't need to go there to get medications and you don't need to go there to get, you know, your standard toothbrush. Why would you go? You don't. you don't have to go. So I think the pharmacies must be absolutely terrified. Uh, I know that when Amazon announced Amazon Pharmacy, all of their stocks fell very heavily, but I don't think they fell heavily enough. Um, I think it, I think this is a sort of existential threat. And this is kind of what I meant about um, collateral damage, right? Pharmacies, especially in smaller, smaller cities, mm -hmm. will, um, fill many different functions and just getting your medication is not the only thing you get advice, you get, um, uh, information about the interaction of medications. Um, you know, so there's a lot going on there. If Amazon eats part of that business, the rest may fail. You know, it's like retail, not everything. Um, Amazon is not eating all of retail. It's e eating a small part of retail, but it's enough to tip retailers from profit to loss. Mm -hmm. And so the whole structure topples over, right? It's a delicate thing. They were making two or 3% a year and now they're losing three or 4% a year. And there's no future because there's no way to get that back. So yeah. bang. And yeah. that's why we have, so that's the problem facing the, um, the, uh, the pharmacies. But beyond that, um, you know, I think we can learn something from AWS. So AWS start, started, that's Amazon Web Services, started as just providing really basic internet service cloud computing service, storage, computing, database management, um, connectivity. Those were the, those are the sort of core building blocks, if you like. And what Amazon has pretty steadily done is move up the stack. So they've moved into more specialized services. And you can think of it as a kind of continuum from, from these very basic building blocks all the way to a very specific application that helps a bank bring on customers, right? And those kinds of applications tend to be more valuable because they're closer to the end user. So you can charge more for them. And Amazon is steadily moving up the stack in AWS. It's either itself or in partnership with other companies. It's trying to do that. Mm -hmm. So imagine what that looks like in healthcare. We have primary care 
and we have home wellness. These are the two sort of core areas, plus the online capabilities. And one can imagine Amazon gradually expanding up to do more higher value things. So for example, um, as machine learning gets better, it's fairly clear that um, imaging is going to be very heavily influenced. So like radiology. Yeah. Right? So, so one can imagine that Amazon will, in, will put its huge machine learning capabilities to work and will offer to interpret images. Yeah. That would be a relatively straightforward thing. Well, then it could offer, which it's already doing, more back office support for hospitals, specialized support for hospitals, running their IT systems and yeah. for doctor's offices, etc. So you can see that it will gradually expand its footprint. It doesn't plan to run doctor's offices per se outside no. of its own. It's behind the scenes, care, but yeah. yeah, but yeah. So, so what we're going to see is just this expanding presence and their emphasis at the bottom end of the pyramid of the healthcare pyramid, really mostly below where healthcare starts nowadays in the land of uh, junk science and um, uh, wellness and, um, you know, minor injuries and concerns. And there's a very fruitful area that that area is like the wild west there's almost nothing s stable in there and amazon could fill that yeah you know, what uh looking at amazon and then on the global right because of mm -hmm. course they're they're big in us or united or north america um how does it look if you look into europe um or or, or asia and, and so, india so where, yeah, where, how but, are they how big are they there um it depends which country so Amazon got in early into the UK and Germany and France, and it's big there. It's dominant in those countries. It's fairly large in Spain. But in other countries in Europe, it's not done so well. They recently got in, uh, opened a, a, a platform in Sweden, which did not go well. And they've just opened a platform in uh, Poland, which will turn, I, I think, will be a very good test case to watch. A Amazon has done really well where they are the first mover. When they come in first, they do great because they build really quickly, they get to scale and it's very difficult to compete once they're established. But in Poland, there's already a company that has 50% of the e-commerce market there yeah. and is very well established and is liked. So it will be fascinating to see how much, it's a test of how much of Amazon's success is really first mover. Yeah. Um, so far as India and China is concerned, well, China, they're out. They've, they've yeah. left, they're not interested. And India is fascinating. They're spending a lot of money and a lot of effort because it's a potentially huge market. Um, the current Indian government is quite nationalist and is implementing and drawing up more and more regulations that will limit the operations of big foreign companies and amazon will be caught up in that so yeah. it's very unclear to me whether whether if they can that, stay or not stay and... whether that yeah and yeah and i think that's a fate you know that's something that they will face in other countries too i don't think this is so easy for them outside the democracies yeah 
you know, so I mean, India is a democracy, but I, I was thinking beyond India, you know, I don't, I don't think it's so easy for Amazon. So international is kind of difficult. I don't think, I, I mean, we'll have to see, and I know they're putting a lot of effort into it, but um, they are nothing like they are in the US. Yeah. Overall, you know, the, the US is their, is their home. Yeah. Yeah. They're like in every phone as well, right? Yeah. <laughs> when you order, so yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, they just it just interests to see, right? Because again, with the global, or is it North America, and and what do you do? But of course, it's not apples to apples, so they don't have the same setup, so they right. can they can just expand. That's um, right. You know, and yeah. and the expansion itself is seen as a threat in many countries, uh, which of yeah. course it is. So you know, it's fair enough to to be yeah. worried about your local producers who, you know, the most successful ones are probably also the people who are most connected to the uh, political class and yeah. are in the best position to defend themselves politically. So, so Amazon's, regardless of its innovations, I think it's going to face some you know, headwinds okay. there. What about uh, data collection, right? Oh. The whole habits of the behavior. Oh, yeah. Uh, how, big. yeah. How well, well so, how how are they doing and what have they done? Because I'm sure that's that's um, that gives some insights the whole behavior. And it's not that they're the first one. A lot of stores no. have done it, right? So a few things. I think Amazon uh, is very diligent at hoovering up information. So they have their own platform, which is at least from the U.S. perspective, among the most visited places on the internet. So. And they track there, not just what you buy, but what you look at, the questions you ask, you know, the comments you view, every bit of your browsing history there is oh, open. Wow. For, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> That's what Amazon. you're selling, right? When you get a good deal. Amazon yeah. is also uh, the second biggest tracker outside uh, Amazon. On the wider internet, only Google tracks more. Um, so it puts trackers on everything. So it has that huge range of information too. And of course, Amazon can always buy commercially available information on you and me and everyone else. Yeah. So, um, you know, so to the extent that their own work doesn't provide a complete portrait, um, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure that they can buy it. Um, so they are an immensely data heavy entity collecting data about us all the time that's the price of shopping on their platform yeah. um what do we know about what they do with the data pretty much nothing except that they say they don't sell it and i i, I imagine that's true because uh, yeah. they've said it plenty of times and they don't need the money and the problems that that would cause would be immense yeah. You know, it would be a trust problem. So, so I imagine they don't that they use it for their internal purposes, but it does. You know, it raises a lot of questions. I mean, especially as they continue to expand into new areas. Let's say they get into healthcare, and let's say they also get into insurance, which seems entirely likely. Yeah. Right. Well, all of that information playing into insurance and healthcare strikes yeah. me. I mean, it makes me very uneasy, especially because Amazon is entirely secretive about this. 
they tell us nothing, absolutely nothing about what they do with the information. So if they decided not to give you insurance because they knew that you had been searching on their platform for um, solutions to certain illnesses. Yeah. Wouldn't know. And then you want to have your insurance after, right? Right. Right. Yeah. 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 So yeah. the, the collection of data, you, you can think of Amazon as among the most active collectors of, of data on the internet, not for the purposes of Google or Facebook, which is to advertise to sell advertising, but in order to um, manage its retail operations and to learn better how to serve you as a customer. And it's a yeah. sort of weird thing that, of course, as a customer, you want to be served well, but I'm not sure you want to be served perfectly if the price is that they have to know everything about you. I think I'd rather take the inefficiencies. You know, it's, it's like having your own perfect butler watching every move that you make and laying out the exact right clothes for you at every moment of the day, <laughs> standing there silently in the corner of the <laughs> living room or the bedroom and just watching. Yeah. I don't know. It's creepy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That's the new Hollywood. <laughs> you, you have to write a whole script now and pitch it to Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think it may, it may yeah. have been done. I don't know. Um, but it, it it's worrying, but not, it, it's worrying partly because, you know, complete information, all of us have secrets. I mean, yeah. of course, and that's part of being human. And yeah. to feel that we have no capacity to protect those secrets is, is, is very worrying and difficult psychologically. Um, but that the real thing that is, I think, is really troubling here is the secrecy. We, we, you know, we look, the corporation, the modern corporation was founded around 1600 in, in England with the East India Company. Right. It was a royal chartered corporation and it was given the rights to do certain things. And following from that, we have de developed um, a kind of assumption that everything that companies do should be secret, right? We just kind of assume it. It's like yeah, normal, yeah. right? That's how it is. Corporations should be secret. Well, no, not necessarily. If you think about utilities, a gas and electric utilities, they were just like that. And in the 1930s, there was a tremendous political battle because they had become monopolies in in different regions of the country. And after a tremendous struggle during the New Deal, um, new regulations were imposed on them. They were allowed to be monopolies, but their prices were subject to regulation. And in order to analyze their prices, um, the regulators had to understand everything about their business, right? So they had to be able to see what everything cost, how much they were paying, for labor and for goods and for other inputs and how and how much they should charge so that it wasn't um, you know a monopoly rent that's the, that's an important model for us these companies are so big now that they are in various areas close to monopolies or certainly dominant i don't really mm. care if they're a technical monopoly or not but they're big 
And I think we need to know a great deal more about how they operate if we are to manage them in any successful way. You know, I mean, traditional models of doing this are from the 19th century. Antitrust dates back to the 19th century. You know, if they filed an antitrust uh, case against, against Amazon for predatory pricing, and I believe Amazon does do predatory pricing, I think there's very strong evidence. But if they did, they would go for, you know, try and discover what was going on and Amazon would give them, you know, 10 million documents to read and look at. And after, you know, eight years of activity and discovery and discussion, they would say to Amazon, well, you can't do that. And Amazon would say, what? We stopped doing that five years ago. Yeah. Amazon, you know, the notion of predatory pricing itself is, is, is difficult because last Christmas, Christmas season, Amazon made more than 10 billion price changes to its its products, right? So what does it mean to say that you were pricing below? I mean, when? So we need a much more direct and electronically mediated access in real time to what these companies are doing. The same is true of the algorithms, right? I mean, you know, there's the Facebook algorithm which drives our social community. We don't know what's in it. Yeah. This is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, no, it, it, yeah. it's absurd. Yeah, no, it's, it's the, yeah. It's a whole new world, right? To live in on, on your behavior. And, but you already sold your soul. That's right. Well, you've sold your information. Yeah, they would like to, have, like to yeah. believe that that's your soul. Maybe it is, I don't yeah. know. No. But, but a lot of the information is already there. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's, uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's without any big, great, you without any great uh, effort to get your approval. Yeah. I, 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 by the way, this is a side issue. I don't think that the European approach to privacy, I mean, look, basically, you've got a problem of, you've got, privacy problems for the individual and secrecy problems for the corporation right (laughs) and and most of the effort so far has been on the privacy side to try and give you more tools so that you can say to corporations online no i'm not giving you that information yeah but but in reality nobody uses them Right. Yeah. I mean, I go to European websites and everyone has this GDPR. You have to click on it, right? Thing, yeah. Right. And every time you click on it, I, I long since stopped doing any yeah. of that. I just gave up. I need right? a bigger screen now when I'm on my phone because it goes exactly. up and you're like, I don't want it. Exactly. So, so it seems to me that this approach, which says, well, you have to give consumers more yeah. control okay. of their privacy. This is doomed because consumers consumers don't want it. Yeah. I mean, they would be okay if there was like somebody in their ear saying, no, you shouldn't go there or you shouldn't yeah. accept that. That's a bad one. Right. Yeah. So maybe there's room that's, for That's Alexa. why you need the help. That's why you <laughs> need Alexa, Alexa right there to tell you. Yes. <laughs> but until we have that, I think uh, looking at the, you know, I, these people are doing good work. They are trying hard. I think strategically, the place to go is on the other side 
to force the, the big digital companies to open the kimono fully and explain what they're doing. I think yeah. that's, that's just that's what the... we have to do. Yeah. No. This was so exciting. So I want to say thank you so much, Robin, to being on my podcast today. You're very uh, well. I really loved it. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um... If you enjoyed this podcast and if you'd like to hear more, please subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Until then, stay curious and keep learning.